Well, hello there, and welcome to another um, segment here of the Alliance Against Seclusion and Restraints uh, live Facebook series. Uh, we've got another great event planned for you today. Uh, my name is Guy Stevens. I'm the founder and executive director of the Alliance Against Seclusion and Restraint. Of course, we're an organization that was founded around the idea that we want to reduce and eliminate the practices of restraint and seclusion uh, in schools across the nation and beyond. Uh, ultimately, really everywhere that uh, people are being worked with and people are being restrained and secluded. Our mission is to educate the public and others and to connect people together that are dedicated to changing minds, laws, policies, and practices so that these practices are eliminated. And our vision is to see safer schools for students, teachers, and staff. We are very excited today to have yet another amazing guest. I was thinking to myself before we started, uh, and I have to go back into the count, but we started doing this about a year ago. And we started out with uh, a guest per week, and we've been on a guest every other week for now many months. So we, we've had quite a few guests. I'd encourage you to go to our, our YouTube channel or on Facebook and see some of our past interviews. Uh, but today we have Ellie Chappell. And Ellie Chapel is joining us for a very special discussion. I'm really excited about it. Uh, we're going to be telling you more about Ellie in just a minute. I do want to let you know that we're going to be taking questions today during the interview and during the discussion. Uh, so feel free to put those in the chat uh, and we will try to get through those as we can. Or if you just have comments or want to let us know where you're from, feel free to put that in the chat as well. Uh, one of the questions we get commonly is, are these sessions being recorded? The answer is absolutely. Uh, all of these are recorded. You can come back later and watch it on Facebook on YouTube, and we even have it available as an audio podcast. So uh, starting off today, uh, to get us going here, I want to introduce you to my amazing co-host, uh, Jennifer Hi. Linton-Tid. Hey, Jennifer. Uh, Jennifer is a uh, member of the Alliance here. She is our Director of Advocacy and does a lot of amazing things here at the Alliance. She's also a wife and a mother of four wonderful sons, of which two are autistic. And she's been into polit political advocacy work for quite some time, a 30-year political activist who makes the world more inclusive for just about, for more people. Uh, she also has ADHD and dyslexia, and she's lobbying on a state and federal level, organizing rallies, civil disobedience, uh, committed to societal change, and still believes we live in a system where people have great power. Uh, so I'm really excited to have Jennifer here as our co-host today. Uh, should be a lot of fun with our discussion. Uh, Jennifer, it's great to have you. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. And I get to introduce our guest who I've All been right. excited to get to know. Ellie uh, graduated with honors in human resource management and the psychology of human communi communication. She has always been fascinated with human communication and behavior, both verbal and nonverbal. She spent her early career working in businesses, managing and developing strategy for solutions focused approaches and building and maintaining relationships with clients. Ellie has a passion and interest in equality and inclusion for all, and her drive is to ensure that everyone has a seat at the table. In 2014, when her eldest daughter lost her vision, Ellie sold her business to come home and begin another journey. In 2019, she did her TEDx at Norwich, 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 sharing their journey to uh, found Flip the Narrative, their movement rooted in humanity. And I'm so happy you're here, Ellie. Thank you very much for having me. Ellie, Ellie we're, we're really excited to have you here. And, uh, you know, I had the, the privilege of talking to you recently and, and getting to know a little bit more about you. But I feel a little bit like I've known you for a while because I've been 
really uh, moved and inspired by uh, the work that you've been doing. Uh, you know, when I when I think about and, and we'll, of course, go through and, and tell people about who you are and what you're doing. But uh, you are an inspiration to so many of us. So we're really, really excited to have you here today. Thank you. That's very kind of you. I'm absolutely honored to be here. Well, thank you. Um, and, and, you know, as I'm listening to your, your intro, um, you know, I was kind of thinking about, um, you know, reflecting on, on uh, my life, and I'm sure Jennifer could do the same, you know, that, that our lives often take these unexpected uh, twists and turns. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't have imagined, um, you know, a couple of years ago that, that we'd be sitting here having this conversation today uh, or, you know, all the, you know, I, I think about what happened to my son that, that led me on this journey with the Alliance and, um, you know, it's been a difficult journey. Uh, my son today is doing well, but it's been difficult. And, uh, you know, one of the things that, that helps with that is being able to find and connect with other people like you and Jennifer that are doing amazing things to, to truly change the world. So, you know, you, you are very inspirational. Uh, I do want to kind of start off for people that might not be familiar with your, your TED Talk and, and kind of your journey and see if you might be able to tell us a little bit more about, you know, kind of how your journey began and, uh, you know, how you got to where you are now in terms of Flip the Narrative and, and the many things that you're doing. Um, yes, well, I think you said the word before, it was all very organic, nothing planned. Um, life throws you a curveball and you have to kind of go with it, don't you? Mm. And I think um, most of our children are teachers for us in so many ways. I think my daughter's taught me every single thing I know and drives me to learn more and connect with other people and find out more. Um I say it better in the TEDx, but really what happened to her uh, was a huge shock. I had no idea that that was going on for my daughter, that, you know, she was being restrained. And I think the idea of restraint for many people, um, they don't understand the word. They don't understand some of their actions are restrictive. And it's just kind of what you do with a child who isn't going to respond in the way you want or sit nicely at a desk for however many, I mean, what child can really, <laughs> but you know, when you've got a child who's struggling to say, I can't do this, it becomes harder and harder. And obviously you, you're going to get a response. So it really shocked us. And obviously she was left in a devastating state and it took, a long time to come back from that. Um, I often said I would, you know, looking back at myself then, I was sitting, I might as well have sat on a bike in the corner of a room, an exercise bike, and just pedaled like fury, because that's all I felt was fury. And I just pedaled and pedaled. But I was kind of nicely parked in the corner of a room doing that, fizzing away, and I wasn't really doing anything effective. And it sort of came about. I woke up one day and I just thought, you know, what what am I doing here? I'm not going to change anything if I just stay mad and don't act. I need to look at why it happened. I need to understand what people don't understand. And I need to go and learn about it. And I need to try and share her perspective of the world. And the more we talked about it, the more we found many, many others who felt the same. And that we also felt that essentially our children 
are so missed in society and in terms of what they teach us and how they view the world, which to me is the most outstanding viewpoint. I mean, my daughter's world rocks and I wish we were all in it all the time. I kind of want society to flip over to doing it their way because it's it's much more human. Um, and because she's such a kind, compassionate, forgiving, hugely empathic person, despite everything that's happened to her, you know, she still gives people a chance. She still <laughs> tries. Um, that's amazing because I don't know if I could do it had it happened to me. <laughs> so I've learned a huge amount just by looking at that in a different light and, <laughs> and by listening to her. And by that, I mean, she talks to me, not just, she doesn't use words like we use them. She talks with her whole body and <laughs> her sense of feeling and she picks up on emotion in the room and she knows who she likes and who she doesn't very quickly. And she's, she's, you know, she's a straight talker. She's black and white. She's, <laughs> you know, it's a yes or a no. Uh, and it's, it's actually really refreshing. <laughs> so it's been a, a pathway that we didn't sort of plan. It just kind of keeps opening up. Right. And we've met so many different people on the way who've taken us into different areas. And I, I'm, there's so many, I can't name them all. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> they, so you know. so Ella was being restrained and isolated. Is that correct? Well, I don't know about isolation okay. because I only saw the restraint okay, one okay, okay. time. Um, but it was enough to trigger in me mm -hmm, a feeling mm -hmm. of, I felt sick. I think mm -hmm. I was so shocked. I I couldn't process it at all. Mm -hmm. I just I just, you know, my my mother instinct was raging. Mm -hmm. Um and that's when I had to ask lots of questions about why why is this necessary? What what did she do for mm -hmm. for this kind of, you know, I I think I was kind of thinking she's a human we don't do this to humans what right, are we doing right. we don't do do we do this to humans oh my god we do this to him you know it's like all of a sudden everything coming and and i think for many people who don't have our experiences they still can't grasp that it happens mm -hmm. they can't grasp that if it happened to their child quite how they would respond um because it's it's within that sort of bubble of it not happening to many and it's sort of over there in the corner and it's really nice to look at but it's not in my space so it's <laughs> you know there's a real disconnect with how do I how do I support this is horrific what do you mean and I've still met people who who question whether it really happens does this really happen? and you're like yes it happens all the time um so I think there's there's a huge amount of I feel a lot of compassion for, I think my sister-in-law really helped me understand it from an external perspective because she was standing saying what she helped me do the TEDx. And when we were talking about how to put this into 11 minutes, which was really hard, she had to go through the whole story with me minute by minute. And it was really hard. I've, I, I sort of fell many times because I couldn't do the bit in the middle. Um, and she made me walk it. And then once she'd walked it with me, she sort of said, gosh, you know, if I hadn't done this with you, I just couldn't have imagined this is possible. Like how you feel, how it would make me feel, that it's something we condone in this day and age, that it's right, not, right. you know, why is it acceptable? Why do yeah. we need to do it? 
Um, right. We've got so many tools in our box. And, sure, sure. You know, um, yeah. so I suppose that's led me to a point of trying to understand what fundamentally needs to change. And I think under it all is the is this lack of seeing them as human, like mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. They, they are entirely the same. Mm-hmm. It's not um, a different species. It's not, even if it was, I wouldn't treat anybody like that or any kind of species. So, you know, right. animals have better protection at times. And we're talking about a vast number of our human population that are still fighting for that seat at the table, for that recognition for who they are as a person. And it really does not matter whether you use words or not. Why does it matter? We've got millions of languages in this world. There's as one. So um, why? there was a wonderful quote recently, and I can't remember the name of the lady. I must try and find her name. But, you know, she said we spend hours teaching disabled children how to interact with their peers. Why don't we educate non-disabled children to interact with their peers? No. There's a whole flip the narrative there. It's like right, right. we go, we force them to do this, but we don't yeah. return the serve. And, um, and what what are we showing? I mean, you know, again, I, I think about this frequently. You know, having you know having been the parent of a child that was restrained and secluded, and and you know really traumatized by that. Um, you know, what what are we sending to other kids that are witnessing this? What are we saying to children when they're seeing? Uh, children with disabilities that are being, you know, treated this way. And, and that's such a big part of the the problem here as well is, is not only that it happens. I mean, the first time I heard the, re- the words restrained seclusion in the context of a school, I was almost in a state of disbelief. I wouldn't have believed if you, you had told me these things happen in a school, I wouldn't have believed it. And, and we see people from around the, uh, the world that, that get involved in our group. And they're like, well, I'm glad it doesn't happen in our state. And I'm like, what state are you from? Oh yeah, it, it happens. I'm afraid yeah. um, because people can't ma- can't can't even imagine that that kind of thing would happen. It happens mm-hmm. a lot that we get. Yeah, oh, well, that doesn't happen in my state or my country. Yeah, and, and well, let me let me uh, look up the data because actually it is happening. Right. And actually, many teachers in schools with whom I've spoke um, didn't know it was happening in their own school system. I, I've talk to teachers and they say, oh, we don't do that in our school system. Let me look that up. Well, actually, no, there were this many restraints and seclusions in your right. district, you know, and it's, it, it, it's kind of a, it's a dirty little secret. Right. Um, and, and, and the impact is on everybody as well. So, you know, we, we talk about the impact on, on children. Somebody just commented here and said, you know, um, kids are witnessing and that's, you know, traumatizing. But it's not just the children. It's it's the teachers and the staff that are also involved in these situations. And, and you know, of course, we, we end up with this circle of, of, of trauma where, you know, as people become afraid, as they become hypervigilant, you know, uh, the, the staff and teachers think they need to do these things because they're fearful. The, the children are in a situation where they're in a state of fight or flight and they're fearful. Uh, and that whole situation, you know, really m- allows this to happen again and again and again. Um, so, I mean, it really is something that uh, for everyone, I mean, you know, we always talk about, you know, our, our and one of the things we say is we want safer schools for students, teachers, and staff. And that's absolutely true. You know, when you're using these kinds of things, when you're treating people, and, and that's what I love about your work, Ellie, is that you you really bring this down to the human um, perspective. It, it's all about being human. It's all about 
is that an okay way to treat another human being? And of course the answer is no, of course that doesn't make any sense, but you know, yet we see some of these things continuing to happen. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, we have to look at uh, where is our skill base? Because, you know, we are by definition entirely different as human beings. It's not a them and us. We're all different. So I have a hearing loss. Uh, Jennifer said she's ADHD. You know, I'm sure you've got things too, Guy. We've all got mm -hmm. stuff going on. So where, at what point do we decide your case okay, is it is it a percentage like suddenly at this point we treat you differently mm -hmm. you know I can talk I can I really struggle with my hearing but I can talk I can make myself heard I can you know but if I didn't have my sight I couldn't speak like my daughter then I'm suddenly you know missing a lot of stuff that I need to actually stand in the world and this is where we've got to step forward for those people because it, it doesn't I think people look at it, and I don't know whether it's a it's a societal thing. It's just so you've got your taboos, okay? We've worked through, we've worked through gender, we've worked through race, we've worked through sexuality. We have not broken through on disability yet. Mm -hmm. It's the biggest taboo yet to go, and it needs to go because this floodgate needs to open because there are millions of these people they're our people there are going to be millions more we were born diverse we're meant to be diverse it is a massive strength as a human to have diversity you know we need it we can't survive without it if we were all the same we would die out right, you know right. it's we're not going to succeed unless we have the diversity and mm -hmm. You know, my daughter's taught me to look at the world in so many different ways. I've learned so much about myself, about my fellow humans, about compassion, about the fact she can forgive again and again and again. And she can still try and she will still step forward and she will still be. And I'm just looking at her going, God, how do I be like you? You know, because they teach us so much, but we are trained into thinking that their way is not. And we're just not making enough space. We've got to budge up. We have to let this in because this is absolutely key to us being whole as, you know, and, and, and our humanity. And in this day and age, it's heartbreaking to think that we are so far behind in our thinking sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I love Mona Delahook's work, as you know, mm -hmm. because she is challenging the science. She is saying, you know, mm -hmm. the way in which we respond does not fit or make sense and the science says so so why are we continuing to do it why do we you know use narratives that give us an excuse they give us an excuse for not getting better in our skills and ways of dealing with people you know why are we not learning how to communicate in sign why do we not understand nonverbal body language why do we not respect whether somebody likes to be touched or not or whether they need to stim right. why are we teaching them uh, to modify their behavior when actually that's just the way they relax you know we all do things we twiddle with our pens we we do a million things that we can hide better but we're all doing it we all have behaviors mm -hmm. so when somebody's is more obvious and prominent why do you need to judge it because you know it's it's part of them and this is about us expanding our thinking and saying it's not an issue you know, that is a much better option than approaching them and trying to pin them down and put them into a state of stress when you are going to get a response. Because if you 
approach anybody like that, you know, fight, flight and freeze will kick <clears> in. And all of us would, in our heads, be screaming, there's a bear coming, run, you know? Right, so right, that's right. what your body does. It's wired for it. So if you approach somebody, that's what's going to start. And then the cycle of trauma, as you say, is perpetuating out. And we are creating unnecessary levels of trauma across families, mm-hmm. young mm-hmm. children, siblings. You know, it's it's massive, the trauma, the wave of trauma. And it, it perpetuates out and keeps going and it lasts a long time. So... By not putting in the work early and us upskilling our understanding, our knowledge, our humanity, looking at it differently, saying, okay, we need to change the way we look at education. We need to change the way we look at how how to make space in society for our fellow humans because they have a right to be here Mm -hmm. as we do. It's just so simple and, and we can't keep drumming up the narratives that, it's too difficult and it's this. Right. And it's like, well, there's a million things in this world that are difficult, okay? But we've advanced technologically, we've advanced economically. So why can't we advance in terms of our humanity? I don't get it. It's it's not an excuse. It's not good enough. You know, we have to say this is totally possible. Everything else we solve, why is this so difficult for us? And, and I mean, there's a million sort of different conversations under that mm-hmm, broad mm-hmm, statement. Mm-hmm. Sure. But, you know, there's a lot of simplicity there, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jennifer, you look like you had a question. So one of the- I, well, I'm not sure it's a question. I'm just going to respond to okay. what she said. I was thinking about being dyslexic and not being able to read. And back when I was young, because I'm old, um, they didn't have IPs and and pull out and everything else you were just mocked and and you had to find a way to muscle through now they would pull the the children who struggle to read which is one in five into a self-contained classroom into out instead of there's a proven way to teach reading called orton gillingham that most children can learn to read. You could actually keep all the dyslexic children in the classroom instead of, I just see so much with this separating out everything. We've got to put them in here. We've got to put them in a different school. We've got to put them in a self-contained classroom. And there are maybe some that need that, but there, there are a lot of, I, I guess my question is how do you, how do you know about universal design for learning and how do you feel about that? Where, where, um, I know a bit. I, I have followed Shelley Moore quite a lot and, uh, you know, tweet some more. I don't know if you know her on Twitter and she wrote one without the other. Um, mm-hmm. So, yes, and uh, there's a lady in the UK, Adele Morgan, who talks about UDL quite a lot. Um, in essence, I, I get the principle. I just, I would say that we do need to make it universal. We do, ha- we're going to have to, I mean, it sounds enormous and there's a lot of people going to say, this is impossible. She's talking the impossible. Okay, there is nothing that is not possible if there's enough will behind it. I know that I've walked this path. I'm telling you, as you well both know, the impossible is possible. It's how much will you put behind it and how much the human collective is going willing to step up and say, it's time, it's now, and we need to do it. Okay, so with everything else, we find a solution for it. If there's money to be made, we find a solution. Right. This is about life. This is about saying enough. This is about saying these people deserve to have that seat at the table. 
you know what, I would give mine up for them because they are worthy of it. So we all have to say that we're willing to do it. And then a collective hive mind can come together and sort out how it fits very quickly. What we seem to get tied up and arguing about is how much it costs, how much time it takes. It's not right for me. The fact that we don't have the patience, you know, there is a certain type of person I've learned with my daughter who can cope with working with my daughter. You need patience in droves. You need to slow right down. You need to accept her for who she is. You need to decide that you can actually walk each day. You can you can take a bad day with a good day and you can come back again. And eventually, if they stay, the relationship they form with her, they give they get as much from her as she does from them. And they learn so much about themselves because of the way they have to be with her, which is actually really good for all of us because we're going way too fast. And the pandemic, if nothing, has taught us that this gray space that we're in, which our children, young people, families have lived in for years, by the way, we've lived with restrictions for years. We have experienced this for years. The whole world is now going through a snapshot of what it's like to be different because actually these restrictions are a plenty in your life with or without a pandemic so you kind of know how to do this you're skilled up for it you get it so I think with my daughter she's she's really made us focus on who are the right people that she needs but also I just I need to come back to the point for me it's really important that we get the point that, I mean, Andy McDonald said, I know he's been on the show as well, but one thing he said that really stuck with me is if we are part of the problem, we are part of the solution. This is on us. It's not on them. You know, this is not about who they are. They have a right to be who they are. This is about us, our brains, accepting that we need to expand and we've got to make room. Um, And I just think otherwise we will continue to um, forge down a path which is inhuman, outdated, archaic, and we know there are other many, many other ways of, of supporting these people and enabling them to have the life they deserve. And it's just about time that that taboo broke, because we've we've you know we've supported every other type of human. This human now needs our support. This type of human who is just one of us who's just different that's it it's not it's not I just don't know what the big deal is you know but 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 I live in it I I live with it I I am used to it and I get that sometimes people are just saying it's just too big you know we just I get that I really do and and maybe I'm making it too simple but I think it's not as complicated as people think sometimes yeah no I I would say that's very true it's not as complicated as people think um but, you know, I mean, when I think about, you know, restraint, seclusion, suspension, expulsion, all the things that we're doing to kids. And, and, and you know, again, you look at who is being affected by by these things and disproportionately. I mean, we look at the data in the United States. It's 80 percent of the restraints, 77 percent of the seclusions across public schools in the U.S. are, are children with disabilities. Um, our prisons are full of children with disabilities, are full of black and brown children here in the United States. You know, we, we definitely are are not. Uh, supporting people appropriately. And and when I talk to a parent or I, you know, uh, talk to others that I know that have had these experiences, you know, every time I hear the story of a, a child that has ended up 
being restrained and secluded. What I see is a child that's not being appropriately accommodated or, or having expectations put on them that not only are they not capable of meeting, but it's probably not even ethical to ask them to meet. You know, if you have stimming behaviors that, that are, are helping you, then, you know, asking you to, to not do those things or having the expectation that everybody has to live by a neurotypical mold, um, you know, th those kinds of things are still very prevalent. Uh, you know, I remember my son's IEP uh, today. I can't believe it was in there, but for a long time, there was something about always looking at the front of, the, you know, always looking forward at the teacher or something like that, which is very difficult for him. Why on earth would we spend our time and energy trying to have people comply? And it's that whole mindset of compliance over you know, and, and not to quote Lori Desitels here, but compliance over connection, compliance over compassion, compliance over all these other things that we should be doing, you know, and we've all heard it. We've all heard the, we don't have time, we, we'd have to do training, we don't have the budget, you know, a lot of the science behind the things that you're talking about, the things that we're talking about, it's not science from yesterday. I mean, we, we've had some of these things since the 90s that we know we can be doing better. You know, we learn more about the, the brain in the 90s, the decade of the brain, uh, than the preceding history of life before that. Uh, and we know the impacts of trauma and we know that, that kids are being re-traumatized. So the, the question is, you know, how do we get there? And, and like you said, I know it's hard. Change is hard. You know, uh, change of, of, of institutions, whether we're talking about schools or any kind of facilities, uh, is hard. You know, uh, there, there's a culture that gets built. People have a mindset uh, and those things can be really hard to change. But I will say from a hopeful note that individuals can make tremendous change when they look in the mirror and they change themselves. Um, just having a single teacher in a classroom can change the outcome for numerous children. Uh, even if your school doesn't have the budget or the time or the resources, you know, if you make that decision, uh, you know, you, you read a couple of books like Mona Delahook or Ross Green or, or uh, you know, Professor McDonald, you know, you get some different ideas. You can have a tremendous impact. Um, and, and that's, I think, part of the frustration is that we look at this as, as you know, the easy part, because having been through this, I mean, I, I worked through some of this with our local school system uh, in helping to impact change. And we did. And we saw really positive progress from that. It's absolutely possible. We can absolutely do these things. But how do we get there? And, and part of it's us, too. And, and this is a I, I'm going to get to a question here. So listen to me babble for a second. But, you know, I look at what you've done. Um, and, you know, I, I think about Jennifer, I think about all the people that are part of our community and part of our team that have been put through very difficult experiences uh, that have had their children harmed. Um, and it's hard to move from pain and anger to how do we affect change in a system? How do we impact change? And you have, I mean, you, you've been so inspiring in your work in doing this of, of moving past, you know, that and into doing something. What What is your advice for, you know, a parent, a teacher, a self-advocate, somebody that, that has been, you know, impacted severely by, you know, whether it be restraint or seclusion or any other kind of mistreatment, how do you get there? How do you get to, to turn that pain into something and, and uh, make a difference? I think it's really important that you find your tribe. You need to have your other, your friends, your connections that you know maybe experience something difficult. You need to find the spaces where you can go and actually say privately what you think, how you feel, how it's affected you. I think you need to find your brave and your courage. You need to remember your why. And for me, my why was Ella. And as much as I was hurting, I couldn't imagine how she was feeling. 
and I'm her mom and I've got to stand up for her. I have to stand in front. And so I didn't, I wasn't allowed in the end, I wasn't allowing myself to stay there for very long because I could see that she was moving forward and she was getting on with things and I was stuck being angry and mad. And at the end of the day, she didn't need that from me. She needed me to be brave and courageous and stand and say what I believed in for her. And and that attracted other people who were showing up, you know, um, and okay, maybe not in this context, but Brene Brown talks a lot about the courage and, you know, showing up. And when you talk about trauma, there's, there's a huge amount of shame, um, you know, we experience a level of shame and our children do that is is beyond understanding for anyone else to be made to feel that who you are is not acceptable and as a parent that your views about that are not acceptable is shaming it's entirely Mm -hmm. shaming and it's wrong and that just re-traumatizes but within that you have the power to turn the conversation around you have the power to say regardless of what you think, this is what I stand for, this is what I believe in, and there are millions of us. And at some point, we will all connect together. This will gel, this will come together. And the stuff we're talking about now will be in the box with corporal punishment and everything else because it will not be mm-hmm. happening anymore. That day's coming. I agree. And we're, we're ahead of the curve here. We're, we're on that tidal wave of change. And it is coming because there are too many people now standing and speaking about the things that used to be said behind closed doors. And that's not happening anymore because people are finding they're brave. You know, we have to. We have to be brave. We have to be courageous. We have to stand together. And we also have to be willing to take the knocks when they come because there will be. There will be times when people will knock you down. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. you've got to get back up because at the end of the day, my why needs me to stand up for her. Your whys need you. And there are a million whys out there that need all of us because mm-hmm. they may not have somebody in their life who can do that. And this is why the collective is so important. And it's so important that people from every walk of life take a, t- a moment to remember that, you know, we talk about disability or difference and things like that. Well, you know, 80% of disability is acquired at working age. So at any point in our lives, what if it happens to one of us and we need reasonable adjustments? What if you lose your voice? What if you have a stroke? Mm-hmm. What's going to happen to you when you're in hospital and your behavior is difficult? You know, how are you? It's, it doesn't just affect one type of person. It can affect all of us. It does affect all of us. The, the situations that happen with our children leave lifelong imprints <laughs> for everybody connected but you can heal from it i don't know if you ever forget it but you can heal from it and you will spend a long time healing that and it will trigger and there will be moments when it's really hard and it comes back and you think you know i was fine with it and it just hits you again and that's trauma and <laughs> and that's something you may have to live with forever you know, in terms of policies, institutions, governments, they always like to talk about money, right? That's what everything comes down to sometimes really is money, efficiency, and could you just all get in the class of 30 and stop making a fuss? Well, you know, it's really simple. My maths is terrible, but even I can work out that if you don't spend the money, 
in the right places at the right time, like early on and giving the right support for the children to learn in the way that they can achieve, then you are going to spend a fortune by the time they're an adult, because by then they're damaged, by then the damage is done, by then the services are triple, by then you've got four to one, five to one, you know, you're looking at crisis situations that cost millions. And yet, if we were in at the beginning, and we're doing it with relational support, and we're doing it humanly, you know, then maths isn't an issue, because, you know, we've got it, we're investing at the wrong end as well. You know, we're promoting positive growth of profit in an area that shouldn't even have profit. We shouldn't need it. It should be obsolete. And we should be putting it in at the front end, supporting our children and families from a young age when they need the help, when they red flag it and say, something's going on here. I don't know how to cope with it. I need some help. You know, there are so many tools now that we have that would prevent us getting anywhere near to the damage that we've all experienced. And that's that's the beauty of us evolving. And it's coming through so much. I mean, there's a lot more work to do, but you know, the fact that the books by Mona, by Andy, <laughs> by Ross Green, you know, Laurie, there's, there's so much more literature now. You know, people in their droves are talking about relational approaches and talking about human approaches rather than, you know, forcing compliance on people, which right. none of us would like. I, I you know, no, if I was, yeah. had it forced on me, you would definitely see my behavior change. Right, right. You know, but I could shout, you know, I could right, actually verbalize, right. I'm not having this. But when you can't, you know, but it mentally it affects everybody, you know, mental health. It so it's it's just it doesn't make sense. It's a nonsense. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't fit with everything else in our world that has advanced so much. Yeah, it's, it's it's crazy. I wanted to ask you I, a short anecdote, and that is what when I was growing up with disabled people, I remember the the line was "Don't stare." And I noticed when I'm out with my son, who's a non-speaker, and he has you know the physicality of autism. He's obviously autistic when he's out, um, and I notice a lot of people doing the you know out of the periphery or whatever, or they'll start asking me questions about him in the third person or talking about him in the third person. And I just, I say, why don't you act? Cause I can actually translate some of, you know, his sign and his stuff like that. Talk to him, look at him. He loves, he loves to be talked to and he loves to get attention. Do you, do you, can you think of things we can do on a smaller scale? We obviously want to get legislation and change the world and everything, but I think I see it as, changing one person at a time that you know he's he's a person talk to him yes yeah yeah so in our community <clears throat> so my daughter is really quite gregarious and <laughs> if you don't talk to her you'll know about it so we we're very it's it's my biggest bugbear i hate it when people do that um and hate's a strong word i probably shouldn't say that but I really dislike it if you don't talk to her because she's standing there and I don't need to be her mouthpiece. You need to learn how to communicate with her. That's on you. Okay. This is what I'm talking about. We need to learn to upskill. Get yourself on a signing course. Learn how to just sit with a person. You will learn to read them. If you spend time with people and you really relax and you allow them to observe you and you to observe them it's like that shoeness of the shoe you know you will 
learn about the ness of the person. You know, who are they? What do they do when they're not feeling good? What do they do when they're feeling happy? You, you pick it up really quickly. It's about taking the time to actually spend the time with them and not thinking, I just can't do this. That's so defeatist. Yes, you can. Of course yeah. you can. You know, my daughter will make you sit there and she will actually take your hands. And she's very quick at deciding whether it's a yes or a no. So if you get a buy, just go because that's it. Your interaction's done. I've had enough. And I might entertain you next time. And and she will mediate how that relationship builds. And if mm -hmm. you follow her and trust that, you will get a really good relationship. But if you if you push it too quickly, you'll know about, you know, she will literally take you on a journey of I can take it at this pace. I've now had enough. I can't say stop. So I will push you away. I'll say no. I'll say bye. If you don't respond to that, I will respond again. And it's just language, but it's different. It's just body language. It's it's a different language. It's it's just following the conversation without the words. You can do it. We can do that. And we need to get really good at it because we do spend hours teaching our children to sign, to communicate with peers, to fit in with the mainstream world. Well, we need to spend that time learning how to fit into their world so that their world and our world become one. So we, we, we need to spend more time just, you know, it's like you say, the, it's the respect, it's the equality. I would not take it lightly if somebody spoke to my husband about me when I'm standing there. I'd be like, excuse me, I'm standing here. You know, it's the same thing. It's just, it's the same. So why do it? And I think sometimes it's a fear. It's a fear of, I don't know how to communicate. And it's like, well, give it a go. I've got a friend. Um, I really hope he doesn't mind me saying this. I won't mention names, but his son is autistic. And um, I, I, we were in, in a forest, in the forest school, and his son came up to me and I will never forget this moment for as long as I live. And he's a really tall boy. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and I'm looking at him thinking, okay, just breathe. Just relax yourself because he will pick up on that straight away. So just stand there. And he turned and looked. And I looked at him. It was almost like, don't look at me. I was like, I'm not looking at you. So I turned that way. And he came forward. And he I put his hand on my shoulder and for like five longest seconds of my life, I swear he was like checking out whether I was okay or not. Just through, I don't know what he was doing, but it was just so, and, I, and then I thought I've either passed this test or I haven't. And then he rubbed his face on my shoulder and walked away and I thought, my God, I'm in. <laughs> and it was just, it was the most beautiful moment because what he was saying was, you're okay. And I was terrified. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I know how to communicate with Ella. I know. To, but I thought, you know, I need to get, I need to do this as I need to do this and learn as well. And it's about stepping out of your comfort zone and walking with someone for them to have a conversation with you in their language and for you to be okay with it and not be fearful or put your assumptions and judgment on them by saying and leading. Sometimes you just need to let them open it up and sometimes it'll be that tiny snippet and then next time you might get a bit more and next and we can't force it because it'll come as and when they and if they've trust 
builds, the relationship will be very strong. So I just, you know, I do think there's so many small things we can do, but really it starts with just looking at how we build relationships and how always how we would feel if somebody was doing that to us. You know, would it feel somebody's written dignity yet? Would it feel dignified mm-hmm. if yep. somebody treated you in the way we we sometimes treat them i no it wouldn't so we need to always remember dignity respect kindness compassion you're dealing with another person who's just the same as you has the same feelings can be as hurt as easily as you can Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i mean really just ignore you know i mean don't stare yeah and that and i like that you're saying you know no actually engage do look Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm, there's nothing mm -hmm. They're maybe moving differently, but that's so cool. what? No, yeah, yeah. so awesome. what? That's an interesting. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I know. I just I don't know why we why we get so. It's our fear. It's our yeah. fear. It all yeah. comes back to our mindset. The fact that we are not quite open enough. We aren't expanded enough in our thinking to say that's okay because it is okay. Mm. It, they're not. Yeah. You know what? What harm is that causing? Yeah, I don't no, care. Never, never, I'm, 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 you know, and you know, and you know, to have the courage to do that publicly, sometimes I wish I did because I was like, yeah, I sometimes yeah, I like right. to break into, and I just think my daughter doesn't really care who's in the space. She'll do what she needs to do, and she breaks yeah. into dance in the middle of, and I think this is fantastic. Like <laughs> I would love to have the confidence to do this, and you know, she magnetizes people because we are relaxed with it because we're saying, "Oh, well, done. this is fantastic," and then people are drawn to it because it's beautiful, it's human, it's what we are. We're being expressive. That's all. You know, we're communicating in whatever way, shape, or form. I, I don't. I, I just. I suppose. In one way, I feel very lucky that my parents brought me up to be broad-minded, to be, uh, I never, I don't have a thing about how people, Mm. I'm always more curious, I suppose, being Mm -hmm. curious Mm -hmm. than getting anxious or cross about it, just thinking, well, what have I missed? You know, what have I missed? What have I not got? There's, There's something I need to, it's, I think it's all about putting it, we've really got to take a lot of responsibility here because we are not stepping up enough. They step up all the time. Mm -hmm. They've got a world that doesn't yet allow them in fully and they're stepping up as much as they can. So it's, it's really down to us to step up and learn the language and make the space and think about the very small things like you say that are so powerful because when somebody yeah. sees your child and smiles at you, you're like, thank you for the acceptance. Just thank you. It doesn't even have to be anything big. Um, it's it's just that human acceptance. And you just think you just made my day. You made her day. It's so much more relaxed rather than the judgment. We don't need yeah. the judgment. Yeah. Well, and, and that happens, you know, we, we, of course, commonly talk about what happens in the, the school environment. And, you know, um, you mentioned so many things here that, that all kind of weave together. But, you know, in the school environment, there is a lot of judgment. So, you know, children that are having a difficult time and, and not having their needs well met, uh, that, that then re, you know, that then evolves into behavior, which is communication, which people don't want to listen to. Uh, mm-hmm. Suddenly parents are being blamed for all uh, the things that, that the, you know, that, that are being seen and, and not listened to in, in what the child's trying to communicate. So parents are very commonly kind of targeted by, oh, well, it must be the parents or, or, you know, they're not, they're not doing a good job. So how often, I mean, our parents, you know, 
are, are they they targeted? Are they gaslighted? I mean, you know, we, we have parents that are, you know, told that we've got to do these things, we've got to restrain and seclude. And of course, they're in situations where the school staff is, is um, you know, the, the experts. Um, and you've got a room full of experts telling you that we need to use these, you know, uh, I think one of our commenters said barbaric a minute ago, but quite barbaric practices on, on kids. Um, so, I mean, that's certainly a huge yeah, problem. A law enforcement. That's what they told me. They would, right. they would have to call the police and he was seven years old. So right. that, that was a, a viable option for them that they would call the police and he would be handcuffed and detained. So that, you know, yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or kicked out of school altogether. Um, but, but let me, let me get to a couple comments here or questions just cause uh, it's going to be really easy for us to, to take all your time, but let me get to a couple here. Um, Beth, who is a member of our team. Uh, and, and I think this is very related to what we were talking about. What have you found the most effective to get an aha when you talk to people who have been entrenched in their, their thinking. So this is often what we see. We see people that are like, well, and, and I think we had another commenter mention this as well, that people just get stuck in what they're doing and they think they're the right things. Um, so how do you, how have you found to be effective in getting people to take a moment, pause, change their lens? Um, well, if Ella's with us, then they need to meet her because within minutes um, and with, I suppose, because we, we don't not coaching the interaction, but we're supporting them with it. So it's kind of taking them on a very short journey very quickly. It's okay. I'm here. I've got you. I've got her. I'm going to be the mediator. It's fine. And bringing the two together and then pulling back out. That's often a really effective, quick way because people will sometimes look at me as if to say, can I? Can And I'm like, yeah, say hello. So, you know, you said hello to me, say hello to her. It's what, what, and it's just the fear. So it's getting past the fear. I think other times um, it's spending time with people and really sitting and unpicking what they're worried about because quite a lot of the entrenchment can come from fear, um, just being worried that they're going to get it wrong, um, that they've been brought up in a certain way to believe X, Y, and Z. They're trying to challenge that in the head, but it's quite hard. That we all have a very knee-jerk response in society. You know, we all love really bad. We don't hear enough about the positive. You know, the, the bad stuff gets a lot more airtime. Um, and it's it's just spending time with them. It's actually taking a moment to say, do you want to actually sit and chat through? And I just try and share a different way I try and take them on a human journey and just say you know think about it if it was like this or flip the narrative around you know talking about how we teach um disabled children so much about how they have to fit in but yeah we don't do the reverse and, right. we, and we really need to do the reverse because <laughs> that that's that should be the way the equity flows um and i think sometimes directing them to look at you know, read books, um, watch the, YouTube, you know, I would say sometimes if you really want to go on a journey, there's not just our TEDx, there's loads of TEDx, there's stories that would inspire you to think differently. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of literature now, um, you know, the books that are coming out, they're really worth picking up and reading. I mean, Bessel van der Kolk's been around for a while, but I still love The Body Keeps the School mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. a lot of that, you know, people can relate to out with, difference that they may not have in their life but everybody understands what they're saying now then you can apply that to when these things occur this is this is essentially what's happening as well so there's lots of way of connecting 
people in. And I think there's so many fabulous bloggers out there and there's a lot of active people on Facebook and Twitter. And so very quickly through social media, they can read things. But I think often it's a good old fashioned conversation and having the time to discuss it with them and also being willing to let them do the vent, let them do the attack, let them go at it, hammer and tongs. This is my, that's all fear and noise. And then don't react because the other thing we tend to do in sometimes in this debate is we respond in the way we're saying not to respond. Yeah. yeah so yeah, our behavior sure. is just as challenging. Right. 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 Okay. Right. So if we meet challenging, I don't want to, you know, make space at the table for your kids who are with challenging behavior. What's the response going to be? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is, we're not going to get anywhere you know I know we're angry I know we're upset but we've got to be bigger than that and we've got to bring about the compassion and the love and the humanity and that takes longer and it's often harder but I think it's more powerful mm-hmm, you know I have been the really angry person I didn't like myself very much mm-hmm. um, and it stressed me out And it is much harder being compassionate. And it doesn't mean that I don't have moments of utter rage, but they're far less because actually to educate people and to take them on that journey, you have to be the one who's willing to kind of hold them while they do it. As you would someone displaying challenging behavior. And it's just challenging behavior in a different way. It's Mm -hmm. verbal challenging behavior. I don't want this. I don't accept it. This is why I have to do it. Ra ra ra. There's so much aggression there. It's not a pacifist, um, compassionate route we're talking about. We're talking about holding children or pinning, you know, that doesn't leave you feeling good afterwards. It can't. It cannot leave you feeling good. So in a way, we need to to sort of work with them in a way we would work with somebody who's expressing distress. I right, think. right, right, yeah, yeah. And, and and I think you're you're right, and certainly you can make a, a difference on on a level of of working with individuals. You know, I guess one of the the, the challenges that I see is that systems systems are so um, resistant to change. So you know, when you have a you know a school system or a, even an individual school, uh, there's been indoctrination of of different practices that. Uh, are are thought to be best practices and probably are not only not best practices, they actually are some of the, the, the problems behind what's causing some of the behaviors. So, you know, if I think about uh, kind of the, the lens of behaviorism and how people are looking at children in schools and, and thinking that all behavior is a matter of choice, uh, that are thinking that, you know, kids are being, you know, they're, they're tension seeking, they're, they're, you know, avoiding, they're, you know, looking at simple functions of behavior and not realizing, you know, you mentioned the work of Monodella Hook, but the, the many things beneath the surface of the iceberg, you know, yeah. the, the uh, you know, I mean, the trauma, the background, you know, whatever it may be. Um, so, you know, the, I, I agree with you. I mean, and I think that, you know, we have more luck changing an individual when we take time to listen. And listening is really important. I, I've come to learn that on my journey as well, because you can have all the right answers and you can have different ideas. But if you don't take the time to listen to somebody else's perspective, you may not be able to help them change. Um, but, you know, to me, it's it's there's a big problem out there on that bigger level. And, and I think I think you're right. I, I was in a hearing yesterday and one of the delegates said, 
you know, these things are going to be banned. They're eventually going to be like corporal punishment. Those, those exact right. words that you used earlier, you know, delegate in the Maryland, uh, you know, general assembly was saying those same things. And I think that having more people coming together, having, I mean, that's why the Alliance was formed. It was like, let's bring people together. You know, we want them to know that they're not alone and that they can in influence change. Um, but it is tough. Changing systems is mm -hmm. tough, but I think that, you know, coming together, like you said, you know, being listening, being, you know, being sharing stories. I mean, that's, that's the, the beauty of having you here today. And, you know, being able to share your journey uh, is that when we share our journeys, we sometimes inspire other people and, and exactly. your work is just amazing. You, you only need to inspire or you only need one person to step up. Uh, you don't know where the ripple goes. It can mm. become a tidal wave. This is the thing. We don't need it to be that every system changes tomorrow. Right. It needs to come from the people. And it needs to go back to, we're talking about our fellow human beings, okay? Right. They deserve to be in this world. This stuff is going to be outdated very shortly. It will not be around. And the reason for that also is that the power of relationships and how we treat one another as humans is really important. And during this pandemic, we've had more time than ever to really examine that and to look at the ways we've missed each other. We, we are restricted. We can't be together. You know, it's affected everybody. So it's the perfect time to step forward with more of that. You know, it's it's really simple. Human, We've forgotten how to be human sometimes. You know, we've forgotten that that means everybody not just some of us. And if you see someone in the street who is having a hard time, who's or whatever, you know, step forward for them. Step up. Don't tolerate blatant sort of discrimination or inequality or, you know, don't walk past. Be the one to say, I'm not going to walk by. I'm going to stand with you, buddy, because you need me right now. And, you know, I've witnessed that with people who have seen somebody having a hard time and this gone across and said you know okay i'm gonna uh, you don't know me but i'm gonna be here and often you know when i was with ella and she was younger if something happened in the supermarket the person that came over and said are you okay can i help look i'm just gonna do this while you i was like you've just walked from heaven down here i needed that right it's just the five minutes that somebody actually cares and says you know i can see you just I don't need to know the details. I don't need to get into judgment. I just know you need help. That's it. And I'm going to help you. And it can be so simple. And I think it's about being human. It's about saying, I won't walk by. I won't close my eyes and look the other way. I'm going to look at this and say, no, it's not right. And if I can add my voice and it's just a petition or it's something, something that anybody could do, eventually you have enough voices and enough power and it will it'll be a tsunami in the end it will mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because that's the way it's going it yeah and, and that's the hope and, and there's some positive signs out there i mean there's some yeah. positive things happening uh you know around even just the, the 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 part of the work that we're focused here on at the alliance um you know we've got a community now of almost uh well about 11,000 people that are that are following us and and this started two years ago. I think Jennifer and I were like number one and number two here in terms of the uh, the alliance team. And okay, yeah. okay, well, so, 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 somewhere in that. Um, but but you know, think, things are heading in in a better direction. I think. But you, you're right. And and one of the the challenges, you know, when I started working locally, um, you know, I found people that have been impacted by things like this. 
Um, but they were sometimes afraid to step forward because of retaliation from a school district or uh, getting their stories in the community. Um, you know, there's a lot of social pressure there as well. Um, you know, and, and and sometimes people, these are tra traumatic things, and sometimes people get beyond them and they think, I just want to put that all behind me. I want to move forward. But it really is important for people that can uh, come forward and, and push this forward because it is tough. It, it is hard to do, but we need those voices. And, and that's part of this community. And I want to say something real quickly, kind of as a side, uh, you know, we've been getting a lot of comments here and I try to keep an eye on all of them, but it's difficult. But, but Brooke, I, I saw your comment and I want you to know that, that we're here for you as well. Uh, I know I've talked to you before. I would be happy to uh, see what we can do to help you. I mean, this is about community and we want to, you know, through the Alliance community, have more and more people supporting and working with each other um, because a lot of us that have been through these kinds of things, whether whether we're a parent or a self-advocate or a teacher, or whoever we might be, um, you know, we've got a lot more strength when we we do come together. And then again, um, you know, that's part of the the point of, of doing all of this is that, um, you know, if by sharing your story, Ellie, we're able to uh, have some people inspired, um, you know, that little, uh, and I think somebody mentioned in the comment, but that spark can really start something going. And, you know, the more of these we can get going across the world. I mean, you know, you know, yeah. obviously, you know, it's easy to think about it from your own perspective. Uh, you know, we're talking to you here, you here today and you're in the, the UK, we're over in the United States. I have conversations with people in New Zealand and Australia. And, you know, this is not a, a problem that's just affecting one part of the world. Um, but we do. We, we've got to do that. So, you know, I really appreciate you, you know, coming here and sharing your story with us. Well. One thing Thank I'm really you. excited about, oh, sorry, yeah. is that is a worldwide, I mean, I we're seeing disabled people rising up, mm -hmm. you know, the own voice mm -hmm. movement, the nothing about us without us movement. And um, I, I, it's, it's inspiring to me because I, are some of our very, very strongest supporters of the autistic self-advocacy movement. Um, and they're just, uh, or really we're their supporters. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. but I, I've just, it, it, having two autistic sons, I, I feel like their, their liberation is afoot, you know, and, 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 but it starts by not treating, you know, or by treating them like human beings and not dogs. Yeah. Cause mm. at the bottom of all of this, we're talking about humans. We're all humans. Yeah. And we're all different. And yeah, we're exactly. We're the same. So why why do we 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 just you know? And this is we've addressed this on so many levels, but this one we haven't addressed enough. We have not yeah. broken this taboo yet. We still walk around it. It's the elephant in the room. It's it's enough. It's enough now. And this is the brave. This is the courage. This is the bit that you know. If you can find a senator or whatever, you know, in your mm -hmm. end, and we can find good people in ours and people can start standing and saying the right things. I mean, Norman Lamb over here was incredibly helpful. Um, and he's always stood and said what needs to be said. But it's about, like you say, it's, it's everybody saying something, everybody doing the small thing. It's the small acts that actually shift it more quickly I think I mean there are brilliant all the, the big things that are going on but the everyday human stuff when people just get it all of a sudden and and it sort of seeps in and it's suddenly it's like the light bulb moment and you can see it and they they their lives are changed because what they haven't allowed in for so long is just amazing it's amazing you know the way the world can be viewed so differently 
And we need that because that Mm -hmm. makes us better humans. So, you know, the whole thing is necessary. And I think it's stepping back from fear and judgment Mm -hmm. because we don't, we don't need to fear it. You know, fear, fear is the only thing that drives anything because we don't know it enough. We're scared about it. Um, you know, the rotten end of fear costs too much, you know, mm-hmm. but there, there's all, there's a million reasons for fear and, and yet none of them make sense. And this is why I just think it's so important when somebody's displaying fear that we come back at it with compassion, because otherwise we're just feeding that narrative and cycle of challenging mm-hmm. behavior mm-hmm. by us being responsive in that way too. And what we're trying to say is, can you do this differently? Can you walk yeah. with me differently? Because mm-hmm. I need you to be brave here and try it differently. Because it's time for a new way. Right. So, so let me let me ask you a, a couple of, of questions here. In mm-hmm. terms of, um, you know, when when did this happen? When did this happen, Dell? I mean, how how long ago was this? In terms of, you know, the the restraint and you beginning to, um, you know, get active and all of this. Um. So it was 2013. 2013. So yeah. Okay, and, and and how's she doing today? Uh, how, how's how's your daughter doing? She's amazing. Yeah, she's she's uh, she's just amazing. Yeah, she's she's doing. Yeah, I can't. There's so many things I could say that she's yeah. just phenomenal. She yeah. is a powerful, change making, magnetizing, wonderful human, and everybody who's in her presence adores her. Because she just changes them. She makes them look at themselves. I had somebody once say to me, it's what she's taught me about myself. Mm -hmm. She's made me look in the mirror and really look hard and think about the stuff that I need to do. And and she said, you know, she she just makes you look at yourself differently. And she makes you brave. She makes you step up and out of the box and Mm -hmm. think about it differently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what 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 does she enjoy these days? What what kind of things uh, does she enjoy doing? Yeah, um, she loves music in the car. In mm. particular, cars are very calming for her. Mm-hmm. Um, she loves plastic me- measuring spoons, which are like um, you know, like little five set spoons. Mm-hmm. Um, which she likes to flick up her teeth, which I think is is sending information to the cochlea because she's obviously mm-hmm. got hearing loss and blindness so she has amazing strategies for her own regulation and um she loves people she mm-hmm. loves people she mm-hmm. loves her family she likes to be in the thick of things but she'll cope with it as long as she can you need to you know she knows when it's her exit point we know when it is she's she's just got she she loves it she's an amazing cook <laughs> she loves baking mm. she is uh so there's, there's so many things she likes, um, but I think her favorite thing is people. People mm-hmm, who really mm-hmm. get her is her favorite mm-hmm. thing. because, mm-hmm. And the people who really get her don't overcrowd her. It's not about talking to her. It's about how to be with her. They get how to be with her. They get mm-hmm. how to, and they learn how to relax, and they learn how to be themselves. Because actually what she demands is that you're, you are your authentic self. Mm-hmm. And that's quite hard for all of us, I think, to step into our authentic self and say, this is actually me. And she does it all day long. She doesn't flinch from that. So, you know, it's another mm-hmm. thing we need to learn about because 
they're quite happy to be who they are and we're right. terrified yeah. of being who we are so right, right, yeah, right, right, there's right, a right. meeting in the middle there isn't there yeah yeah um so i have a question here from nicole who said did ella leave the school that she was restrained uh that was restraining her yes um, and, and what did you do at that point? Did you have another school that you found or, um, you know? Yes, we went okay. to a different school, but she ended up, um, being educated out of school because, um, she's deaf blind and mm -hmm. it's a very specific pathway for education, which is quite difficult to meet the needs. There aren't that many schools in England. Um, so what worked for her was the flexibility of, schooling from home mm -hmm. so that she could have the breaks when she needed it she has some health issues and mobility issues so you know it's about balancing the day so she she might she can't commit to a standard mm -hmm. you know nine till three thirty because it's not going to work for her so she needs the flexibility sure sure so we need I, would, to meet, I would argue meet the needs of the person do. yeah, yeah, yeah you're, yep, you're, yep. you're doing person-centered yep, education yep, then aren't yep, you which yep. is like to maximize on it and optimize it and to get the best out of it for her. Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. needs to be able to do this, to be honest, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then that, <laughs> because it is never like this. Sure, sure. <laughs> and so, I so, think the linear is just like, why are we so linear? It's yeah. not, li we're not linear. Humans are not linear. No, 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 no. no. Well, we, so, we, we try to force everybody into yeah. the things that aren't probably Yeah, natural. the straight line, it doesn't yeah. work. So, so talking about you today, I know from talking to you before that you do some teaching. You mentioned that you've worked with uh, uh, Professor McDonald. Yeah. Uh, what kind of things are you doing now? Are you still are you involved now with Studio Three uh, and some of yes. their work as well? Um, so I did do various bits and pieces with um, Professor McDonald and Gareth Moorwood, who's their education advisor. And I'm going to be doing the Studio 3 Ambassador course. So hopefully that means you'll be seeing more of me. Okay. And I'll be linking up with one of my buddies. I hope doing that. Gotcha. Yeah, we have a few yeah. people that might be doing the that as well. So yes. we're excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is low arousal something that you, uh, I mean, are you, uh, um, you know, you're familiar with a um, program and is it something that you've found that you've used yeah. or is? <laughs> yeah, I totally, it's, it's a human approach. Right. It's okay. it's about what Mona talks about mm -hmm. it, and Laurie, it's, it links it all together. So you, essentially you're coming from the perspective that you're the biggest part of the issue sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and, and it's accepting that we're not getting it. We are not getting it right. Not right. that it's their problem. It's ours. So what's wrong with the environment? Are we stressing them out? Are we calm? If we're stressed, then actually get out of the way. Because a stressed person does not need another stressed person. A stressed person needs a calm person. Mm -hmm. And so it's about Amen. being yeah. reflective about right. your own state. And if you are up a height and anxious, you're basically pouring oil onto the fire. So mm -hmm. just go away. Get some air, you know, calm. Get some debriefing, whatever you need. And, and let somebody else step in who is much lower in their arousal state. Mm -hmm. And they can meet that person who is heightened here so you you start to bring it down mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and that's essentially uh, you know it's trust based it's relational based it's about not making the situation worse by threatening you know being threatening when mm -hmm, somebody mm -hmm. is distressed 
you will just get a negative response. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just science. It's mm-hmm. bonkers to think otherwise. So, you know, if we're going to approach somebody who's in distress, we need to be calm. We need to be reassuring. We need to be kind. We need to think very quickly on our feet. We need to be looking at the environment. You know, first thing I do when I go into a room or if Ella gets distressed is I cut all the sensory input, lights, everything, the lot goes off, move people out of the way, get it calm, bring it down. And then I start using our strategies for calming first. And, and that's like, we use humming. Um, she loves the OM sound, which is a yoga sound. And um, we have various things that I've done ever since she's really small, but I've followed her when she's asked me to do it. And usually if we act fast enough, we can bring it back. Um, but I think it's about how well you know the person and how mm-hmm. much you're willing to wait it out. Some, just like be there, right, right. I, you know, don't abandon. I, I'm not sure I would entirely agree with my daughter wouldn't cope with us just walking away. You, mm-hmm. you need to be able to judge the dust and just like, I'm here. I'm here if you need me. Right. I will stay out the way if you don't. That's fine. I just want you to know you're not on your own. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. just being human again. It's it's a very um, human approach, the lower mm-hmm. arousal approach. I find it refreshing and yeah, um, and very kind. In, in And it also, it gives families a huge Jim. amount of space and scope to actually put in you know what works for them because mm-hmm, they, they listen very much to families and they can structure that program and support or anything you need around your needs and your family's needs and you know it's it's very person-centered mm-hmm. yeah no i agree and and you know um th- there's what a difference it makes when you stop yeah. projecting the problem all on the child it's all the child's fault to realizing there are things that we can do to uh, within ourselves to, to lower the temperature of a situation to help a child that's having a difficult time rather than perceive that they're there just to give you a hard time. Uh, so there's a lot to like, I think, about that approach. Yeah. Um, I'm excited. Uh, we've got a couple of people that will probably be going through the ambassador program as well. I'm really excited to to do that. I um, think it'll be, yep, you, you're on the list. <laughs> so we're, we're excited about that. Um, and, and, and I've got one final question, and then I'll let Jen mm-hmm. have a, a final question as well. And, and mine is, you know, kind of, how are you doing? Uh, I mean, you know, these, these things are tough battles for us, you know, as well as going through, um, you know, um, you know, for the last couple of years, I've been working a full-time job and had a second full-time job, essentially running the Alliance. There, there's a lot, um, but, but I mean, how are you doing and, and what have you done? You know, because, you know, like you said, we have to reflect on ourselves as well. And that also means making sure that we're in a state where we're going to be helpful and supportive. So what have you done to kind of keep yourself um, where you need to be um, through all of this? Um, Well, I have a really strong circle of friends. I have really good friends. And I think Jennifer and yourself will be the same, but we have, I have a tribe. (laughs) And these are people that are going through very similar things to me sometimes within the system or that I've met along the way. And I'm very lucky to have really varied and different friendships and I have friends in different places and spaces for different things so that for me is what's really the most helpful thing I also spend most of my downtime reading I I don't switch off from this very much I'm always looking at what can I do differently how can I do this better what do I need to know more about how to explain this in the human way. I think it's kind of like 
a passion for life. Um, and then, you know, my kids are my greatest joy. So as much time as I have with them and spending time with my husband and them is really important and my family. And I can't wait till we can all do that again, because that's been really tough for everybody this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I just I read a lot. I find I need to I usually have three books on the go like I like to go between and I kind of read one bit and then I read another bit and then I read another bit and then I want to write something so I think I don't know I do lots of creative things um and also I do uh sort of like meditation is really important to me just to take time out and that's actually really helped me center myself and my feelings and when that rage comes it's like right you need to meditate yeah (laughs) that's great you know it's about it's about having those moments isn't it and just finding it I don't sort of put aside I don't have hours anyway so it's like 10-15 minutes here and there when you just need to take a breath and just breathe for 15 minutes and just Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Go, yeah. Go Simple act of breathing can can yeah. do so much, and yeah. and yeah, that's great. So I'm gonna let Jennifer ask a final question, but mm-hmm. before I do, um, Jennifer will tell you that that I never let an opportunity go by. Um, and yeah. I heard you talking about liking to write, and I was just gonna tell you if you ever okay. would like to write an article for our, right. for our, yeah, our website. We're, we're always looking for people to share stories and, and, you know, yeah. I mean, this has been such a great opportunity to talk to you today, but um, you know, I, I appreciate it and, and definitely want to, um, you know, continue to, to, to talk to you. And um, you know, you mentioned kind of finding people that, you know, you connect with um, you know, that's been one of the, you know, for me has been one of the really amazing things that's come out of an otherwise, you know, kind of bad situation in terms of what happened to our family, yeah. but connecting with all the people that, that we have through the Alliance and with each other, um, just having somebody that understands what you've been through and is there to support and, and yeah. you know, fight with you, too, to, to try to make a difference. Um, Jennifer, um, do you have any final questions? I don't. I just love I I love your message of humanizing. Um, I think and I said this recently in an interview, I think restraint exists because the pain of. Um, those being restrained doesn't matter and that seclusion ex- exists because their suffering doesn't matter. And we have to get to a point where their pain and suffering does matter and we can hear them. And, um, and, and, you know, you just inspire me so much all the time. I don't, I, I oh, wish I, <laughs> I don't have a question. I just, I'm just emphatically agreeing with you um, and all that you're thank about. You. It's very inspiring for me. As are you, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank Absolutely. You. Well, well, thank you so much for taking time to join us thank today. You. I know that, that you are in a different time zone and I appreciate you you working with us. It's it's heading on nine o'clock, I guess, there. Um, you know, thank you so much for taking time out of your evening. Um, where, where might people follow you or connect with you or are there places that they might follow the flip the narrative? Um, you know, my, my biggest space is probably on Twitter. Okay. Uh, so it's just, I think, I might be Ellie underscore Chapel okay. on Twitter. But if okay. you Google flip the narrative, you'll see me. Okay. And then Facebook, I do. It's mainly quotes. I haven't really done any writing for a while. So, And I've got a website, canduella.com. Okay. You can read our previous work, writing, catch up on the TEDx. Yeah, we're on YouTube for that. But Okay, great. 
Yeah, I hope we have a few more things coming this year. So eventually I'll finish this book that I've been writing for like three years. So that will come eventually and I'll make sure you know when it does. Fantastic. And and, and we'll we'll plan to have you back and talk some more. And you. Um, you know, again, it's it's great to have allies like you out there and and you know, anything we can do to support what you're doing, you know, let us know. And um much, you know, yeah, yeah th- thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. So I'm gonna let you both go and I've got a couple announcements here, but but thank you again, Ellie. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank, thank you, Guy. You. Thank you, Jennifer. Thanks. Okay, and as promised, uh, I just have a couple of quick announcements. I hope everybody enjoyed the um, program today. Uh, what an amazing time uh, talking to Ellie. Um, and, you know, I hope that uh, people are, are feeling inspired and realizing that, you know, that you can make a difference, um, that we can all do things to impact change. And uh, again, you know, uh, the invitation is out there. If we can help support the things that you're doing, uh, you know, we're always happy to to try to help anybody that's trying to to affect change. Uh, so we'll be back again in two weeks, as always. Uh, I, I was excited as I was thinking about today and thinking, who's coming up next? Because it, it's hard to keep track all the time. Uh, we have Victoria Johnson, who will be joining us next time. Victoria is an amazing advocate in North Dakota. Uh, she's going to be talking about, um, you know, how she has been supporting families and youth uh, to become self-advocates for for their own families and uh, talking about uh, change, uh, the changes she's been making there in North Dakota. So want to again, thank everybody for joining us today. Uh, it was great uh, to have you all here and all your questions and comments. And we look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks. Bye-bye.